1: Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and pinot noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill, who are sitting in a hotel room in Rome, drinking surprise, together. <laughs> <laughs> this is honestly
2: the best time of my life. Yeah, same. So I, so we're both on a work trip in Rome as we speak, which is our little surprise from last week. And I had, like, an arduous 32-hour journey to get here and Izzy just sailed on over from London in, like, 90 minutes. You messaged me and
1: you were like, are you there yet? I was like, hun, I'm at home in London still. (laughs) Yeah, you were like,
2: I'm going to go get, like, a pedicure, do whatever. And I was, like, in Abu Dhabi. Um, (laughs) But we are here and the first thing we saw each other was order a giant plate of room service, pasta, fries, Mm -hmm. and a big bottle of wine.
1: Big bottle of wine. Pasta, fries, bread that Grace kept eating, even though it's not very nice.
2: I was like, we need to address the elephant in the room. And I just uncovered this napkin and there was a whole lot of bread that was just included in the room service.
1: I'm so happy we haven't seen
2: each other in five months. I know. Which it just feels like we it feels like not a day has gone by now that I'm here.
1: But before when Grace got into the room, she wandered over in her Qantas pajamas. (laughs) And the room service guy
2: was like, what is happening? Um, I like ran over to the room service. I was like, Yay, yay, yay! And also, I learned Italian in high school, and I can't remember one the, I can't word. Even remember one? I can't even say grazie properly.
1: Yeah, I realized that you know, I feel like Italian is one of those things that you go to all the other countries and you kind of know what like hello, thank you, excuse me, yeah. whatever is in French and Spanish. And then when I came to Italy five years ago, we drove across the border and then stopped at this petrol station, and I was like, I need to Google what hello is. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. I'm English.
2: I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Why did I learn Italian like seven years in high school? It's so like, what random. a random curriculum of all of the useful languages that could
1: come in handy to someone living in Australia. Like I learned French and I've no clue about anything. But when you got here, when you first walked into the room and we were eating our pasta, I was like out of breath because I was trying to talk so fast.
2: <laughs> so we're trying to squeeze in like five months because you talk on oh this is boring to people but like you know we like talk on skype and stuff and you just miss things yeah it's not the same when you see each other you forget all these little things that you forgot to mention and then we couldn't figure out how to get the, that um... happens like literally every <laughs> like to a t four minutes into when we record every single time my phone quite popular what can i say because oh, was linkedin silent as a grave so like LinkedIn. random
1: 17 year old i went to high school with probably being like like some 50 year old man called trevor being like I, I would like to connect and then we couldn't figure out how to record the podcast in person anymore we're wearing headphones and we don't know why
2: no no i just it makes me feel like we're super professional when we wear headphones feels weird yeah anyway anyway let's get to it so on my flight over i had a lot of time for reading and i was very intellectual i read the whole time i didn't watch anything Mm. on the plane i always try to do that but i get so sleepy i see i slept a lot i slept a lot Mm. um but when i wasn't sleeping i was reading she said good by megan toki and jodie cantor which we've talked about before they finally read it and it's just amazing, like, I know we kind of feel like we know all the details, but just how... actually like we don't appreciate how much they thought it was never going to come together. Mm. Looking at it now, like, now we just, like, it was inevitable that it was going to happen, but it just wasn't, like... They tried for so long to get people to talk on the record. They were, like, blocked at every single turn. It wasn't even the crazy stuff, like, being tailed by private investigators and stuff, but they didn't really mention that. It's more just everyone was so scared. Or if they weren't scared they were like so legaled up from settlements that they just couldn't possibly talk so they had at this point dozens of people off the record but they're like we can't do a story with like 24 people off the record and then they were like if we can just find all the paperwork for his settlements that in itself is a story that he's just been paying people off Mm. um and i have to say i wasn't as stoked about gwyneth as we were when we listened to like they kind of like heaped a lot of praise on her in that Fresh Air interview and I'm not sure it's I'll admit that you've deserved. You've warned
1: me about what you were gonna say about Gwyneth prior to us <laughs> going on the show. Grace gave me a little disclaimer. Yeah. Um, explain further why.
2: So basically in that Fresh Air interview they really made it sound like Gwyneth was the whole reason they got so many Hollywood actresses together and that she was really this like lynchpin person for the whole story like that's kind of what I took from that interview Mm. that she was really essential to it and that's what everyone
1: pulled out of it people were doing breakout stories just on that
2: yeah so then when I it's true that she they were talking to her the whole way through and that she did tell them that story early on but basically it got to a point where the only people who were talking on the record were like terrified totally powerless several like single mums in their 30s and 40s lived in like wales or in england or whatever who'd worked for miramax in their 20s and been raped or sexually abused or assaulted by harvey and they were the ones who had to come forward in the end and go on the record because not a single big name hollywood actress would go on the record and and risk like
1: losing so much money if they get sued because they've broken their non-disclosure
2: exactly it was like this huge thing where it just reminded me that I feel like we looked at this case as being one where really powerful people came out and put their name to it, but really it was people with no power who actually made this story. Come out it was people who were really 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 brave with the exception so basically they had all of these people who'd worked for miramax and they had a lot of evidence about his low-ranking employees being abused but they also wanted they were like the full story is that he was also doing it to young actresses but they couldn't get a single actress to talk on the record like rose mcgowan was in all this legal trouble um and gwyneth paltrow had an amazing story because she was probably the most affiliated with harvey weinstein it's like his golden girl and she never signed a non-disclosure and she's still a really powerful person arguably more powerful than him so they they tried so tirelessly for so long to get her to talk on the record and she just wouldn't do it for the first story and I understand that it's really really difficult and that um you know you're risking a lot and someone of that high profile is you're really putting yourself out there but at the same time Gwyneth Paltrow is probably the most equipped person on the planet to like take on that task. You know Mm. what I mean? Like she's super wealthy. She's super respected. She has so much power. I wonder if she thought that her allegations,
1: because her story is that he came onto her. She was like, absolutely not. And then got Brad Pitt to go and push him against the wall and say, don't ever do that again. So maybe she thought if she was going off her allegations alone, it's not enough to bring down this man, but I guess she knew every, I knew, I guess she knew that all these other women were coming forward with theirs, but do you know what I mean? Like if yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. saying, she oh, said, nothing actually happened with me, but there's this.
2: In the book, she, in the book, they said that her vagina, Jade, egg story had just come out and she was really conscious about not copying more negative publicity. Oh my God. And she was okay, worried. Yeah. She was like, I employ so many people with Goop and like they will have mortgages and families and lives and like I'd be putting their livelihood in jeopardy i was like i don't i feel like that's a bit of a long <laughs> yeah to draw like, okay you know what i mean so i was like okay the unsung heroes of this story this story is these amazing there was a woman who has four kids she's a single mom she was like her story of what harvey weinstein did to her turn my stomach like i just i was like having visions of like punching him in the face on the plane i was like i want to murder harvey weinstein <laughs> oh like God, he's just a pig just a fucking pig um, and and
1: like the thought that he thought he could get away with it, that he could get away with his it His arrogance so long. when
2: he was striding into their offices, being yeah, like, yeah. nah, so disgusting. Nah, blah, like laughing at them, making fun of them. Like,
1: um, it's also crazy. In one of those podcasts, I um, I can't remember who it was. I'm pretty sure it was Megan and Jody who said this. That they talked to his brother.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then his he, brother. T- he's talked to them a lot in this book, as yeah. a bit of a like i think trying to get good pr and distance himself (laughs) from it
1: but the brother that apparently was like the whole time was like you can't do this shit and bring him to the office and like giving him all these warnings and all this sort of stuff because he i guess he wouldn't have known the severity of what was going on but people kept coming into his office and being like harvey yells at everyone harvey bullies everyone
2: Harvey does this and harvey does that but still there's a lot of people like distancing themselves from it now where you're like okay if anyone knew like he well, wasn't just his was brother; like... he was his partner in the business, and they paid off using like business money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve cases where women accused him of raping them, and yeah. he was like, "Oh, I just thought he was having affairs." And I was like, "Well, you obviously read the paperwork." Like,
1: who was it that said some big actor was like, "I knew more than I knew more than enough to do something," and it was like George Clooney or something. So his own
2: fucking oh, brother didn't I think, know. I think Meryl said something as well. Yeah so it's like his bit- brother de- like his brother was like you know uh, i'm gonna share a deep dark secret i was an alcoholic and i'm like no one cares oh, bob on weinstein oh. and he was like i just i so thought it was like that- kevin spacey when he was like
1: i'm gay <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like no one gives a
2: fuck kevin <laughs> <laughs> it's so too late for that kevin um yeah and he was like and i thought Harvey was a sex addict in the same way I was an alcohol addict. So I was just, like, everyone's just full of shit. Like, all his lawyers, everyone around him has tried to, like, distance themselves. And Jodie and Megan are just the best. Like, they're just like, he says this, but, and then there's just <laughs> stacks of evidence that they're lying. And they're so straight, like, they're so straighty 180 about everything. There's no, everything's written in third person. So they're like, Megan and Jodie got on a bus and went here. Megan and Jodie did this. Like Really? Yeah, it's really straight. I love Megan and Jodie. Same, they're my heroes and a big shout out to the one actress who did go on the record in the first story which was Ashley Judd who's a fucking legend she's like the new gwyneth yeah she's the new ceo of afterwork drinks not be she... this around
1: i know i'm oh, sure actually alcohol being poured in my glass i know
2: for once That's my goddamn life Usually <laughs> <laughs> an oat latte while you're on the piss. <laughs> um, ashley judd is She's like amazing. She was this big actress, but then yeah, she don't, went I to Harvard. that much about I think she's like a bit pre-out era. Like I feel yeah. like she's been an 80s girl. Yeah. Um but she like acted for a while and then was like I'm bored of this and went to like Harvard Law School or something and got this doctorate that like the what's his name? The UN General Assembly guy has. Like she's just like this secret genius as mm. well. Did this whole thing in gender studies and she did this whole the whole thing that she wrote her thesis on at Harvard for gender studies was about how in the primate world, over in a special species of monkeys, this is super random, but they eradicated sexual abuse of female monkeys by male monkeys by creating this system over hundreds of years where if anyone was being sexually attacked by a man, they had this special cry and all the women would just rush over and beat the shit out of him. And they're like, we need to emulate that behaviour in women. Like, the fact that women are so solitary mm. in their abuses is what allows it to continue because there was things like two women who went to the london miramax studios who'd both been sexually abused by harvey five years apart who were working next to each other every day and never knew that the other person had it oh until it came god. out in the, um, oh my god yeah so it's, she was like when we women are siloed that's when the problem is and when they all talk and are open about it then they can protect each other and she was like, yeah well it. it's
1: like the um what was that list that went around New York? The
2: bad oh, yeah, men and yeah. media list. Yeah, yeah. Like that,
1: but not yeah. defaming all yeah. these men. <laughs> but not public, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or it was on like the bathroom in Brown. All these That's women wrote right. on yeah, the bathroom yeah, yeah. walls in Brown, the guys who to look out for. Yeah, exactly. It okay. yeah. needs to be something like that. Or just to take it back to The Sims, like men who just walk around with like these negative things <laughs> on their heads. <laughs>
2: They need to be, like, branded or something. Yeah,
1: and it's just, like, purple if they're just,
2: like, a little bit seedy. Yeah, and then yeah. if, like, a full-blown sex pest, it's, like, I don't know. <laughs> red. Right. Yeah, massive red flag. But anyway, Ashley Judd was, the day before they were going to publish, just called her and I was like, fine, I'll go on the record. And they started crying because they knew it was going to be the difference between okay. being a kind of big story and a huge story. Um, and then Ashley Judd didn't want to deal with the backlash, so the day before it published, she went out camping on her own in a tent in like i don't even know what we were aware of america or like colorado or something <laughs> yeah. and she had no wi-fi or reception and she was just on her own camping for two weeks and then came back and was like what happened the world changed yeah, like the whole world <laughs> like exploded because of her i was like ashley john is my fucking hero i love and Joni was like she would get reception for 20 minutes per day and she would just text me a photo of like the sunset and no words i was like my God. God. So iconic yeah
1: yeah because then I remember it was like the next article that they did so when the New York Times went I remember mm. sitting at my desk and when that came out and it blew up and everyone was covering it then the next day was I remember a photo that I'd created a little three by three and it was like yeah. Angelina and Gwen
2: okay who would come yes. out the next day yeah I
1: think Angelina came out first I was like, right. yeah, he's a fucking creep. Tried it on with me and I was like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. So that's... I, it's a, Gwyneth was still amazing for coming forward. I feel like there are probably still a lot of actresses who didn't come forward who mm. had stories. Um, and I noticed this terrible thing with sexual assault where all this extra pressure is put on women to then disclose it and that's really unfair. It's not about slamming Gwyneth as much as it is, like, not giving her more credit than she's due when it was really those super brave women mm. who...
1: I know, it's it's so crazy as well that for, like, Jodie and Megan knew that for it to be a big story and for it to make worldwide news and actually make a difference and potentially put them away, it had to be a celebrity. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I I keep, I always think about this, like, how obsessed with celebrities we are. It's such a weird phenomenon. They're all people who are very similar to us, who are just normal humans but we get weirdly obsessed with them i know as soon as they're in the spotlight and before they are you know you'll know people before they are famous and then they get famous and everyone wants to know who they are i
2: know it's so weird i know i even think that about like this is kind of random but there are people who like one of the air hostesses today on the plane was just so beautiful and I was like... Oh, beautiful. Are you talking about beautiful people? Just like How people, people are different? Are like, But just how, like, they're just beautiful people. Who you're like, oh, she's pretty. But if she was on a billboard, you'd be like, oh, my God, she's insane. Like, like you, they need to be put in context by the universe. And yeah. They're super pretty for you to get that extra level of obsession with them.
1: Yeah. But me and Anton had this discussion the other day where we we're walking around the park and I was talking about how it's so funny. Uh, yeah, our obsession with celebrities, but also our obsession with beauty. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everywhere is just obsessed with beautiful people. Like, If you mm-hmm. are that person that is so beautiful, like I'm talking a model or someone who, who literally like, <laughs> I'm talking someone who looks like Grace, <laughs> who you literally, yes. when you yeah. see them, you can't help but say to someone beside you, that person is so beautiful or yeah. you look twice or that their models or they, their job is something to do with that. But just beautiful people in general just get so much more opportunity in life, and Anton weirdly, well, not weirdly, I was like, weirdly disagrees with me, which is just, <laughs> out, like, uncalled for, but he was like, he was kind of like, oh, do they? And I was like, what? what? And he was like, oh, you know, like, maybe more in your industry, because you work in the media, and it's all, that you know, you're looking at celebrities and pretty yeah. people every day, but I was like, no, just literally
2: life, like, like literally life. more so in our industry, but also, I think we, it opens us up to seeing how it's just... It's- yeah.
1: everywhere i have friends a friend who got offered an apartment for less than the going rate even though there were like hundreds of other people applying <laughs> for it because she was beautiful Yeah, or beautiful people who get promoted or because people want them to be the face of brands exactly it's like a great person to have as the face of your brand
2: if they look like your brand exactly but it's yeah it's just a weird i was i think it is a weird thing i was actually i listened to a really really good interview that i meant to recommend a while ago and was with Issa Mayer French, who's this makeup artist. And she does, like, quite – she does really conceptual editorial stuff. But she's kind of amazing. She's really beautiful. She has with, like, Tom Ford and whatnot. And she was being interviewed by Tim Blanks on Business of Fashion. And she was talking about how she's fascinated about why we're so obsessed with beauty mm. culturally. And, and, and about why we covet certain things in beauty versus others. And she was, like, the reason that <clears throat> there is ageism – especially in the beauty industry because she was like from my perspective beauty is anti-death like we're also scared of dying Mm. that we need to see people who look like plump and full of collagen and tan so they look healthy and like it like attracts us to something that feels kind of immortal like you don't want to see an older person subconsciously on a billboard because you're like yeah like we're all just trying to run away from death yeah (laughs) i know it's like so hectic but i was like i'm kind of i kind of believe that like everything we're attracted to in beauty are things that are about health and vitality and living and being alive and being at your peak and being like virile i got into this frame of mind this is gonna sound so insane you're gonna laugh so
1: much because i was looking at leonardo dicaprio's girlfriend camilla marone yeah and how she's 21 or 22 Mm. or whatever and her first big movie is coming out and it's getting heat like really good reviews and Mm -hmm. everyone's just like she's gonna be a star and she's the next big thing and i was like how funny is it that she is 21 years old and her life is just beginning and she's gonna her career is just starting she's about to have this crazy big career if the reviews are anything to go off and but then leo is 44 or whatever mm-hmm. and you would say that in acting or in whatever has I don't know it's, it's just like this weird
2: yeah his best years are ahead of him best... or he's in a he's in his peak now yeah yeah totally
1: whereas for for women it's like 21 years old is like the
2: best you'll be that's your peak it, I, I 100%, but that was another thing that was really um interesting and she said where they talked about speaking to actresses like Marissa Tomei who was like, I don't have a, a experience with Harvey Weinstein, but this industry, every single part of this industry is fucked towards women. Like mm. maybe you're not being sexually assaulted on a casting couch situation, but you are being told that you're too fat and too old and not attractive enough every single minute from the second you enter the industry. And then as soon as you hit like 35, you're just dumped and never, ever, ever, ever used again. And all of your scenes are boring and they're all directed by dickhead guys and you're always like a second fiddle to a man and you never get to do anything interesting and you just have to cop it. So like Mm. the sexual abuse part is just an extension of the fact that no one respects women in Hollywood, full stop, like in any capacity. And then you see
1: pretty much every actress that you can name is breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. And every actress can also sin. And yes. every actress and like you know like and like can yeah. dance they
2: just they can do everything yeah and you have to be breathtakingly beautiful yeah. to crack through exactly i think it's like the thing i think about with like race as well um where there's just like there's no mediocre women there's no mediocre people of color and there's just an abundance of like mediocre white men yeah. in, like in every field but yeah. like music and entertainment is a really good example like privilege is being like able to be completely fucking mediocre and still have a massive career.
1: Yeah. And even just at work in general. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In office situations. Yeah. Who I, I remember us? Oh my god. It's like, what am I thinking? What am I going to reference again? I
2: was going to reference that obesity article that I'm absolutely (laughs) too sweet. Actually, I want to do a supercut because every time you mention it, you're like, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely in the Evening Standard. Then you're like, I think it was, it was definitely in the like Huffington Post. I think it was like every time you say a different publication. What did I, what I say I think it was. No, you just say, like you say a different publication that it was published in. Oh, the obesity one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel
1: like I'm pretty sure it was published in. I actually want to go through and make a supercut of it, but I don't have enough time. Um, well, I'm making a supercut secretly
2: cool. at the moment. I've heard about this. <laughs> I'm a bit scared. <laughs> yeah. I'm making a bloopers thing for our one year. I tried to make a bloopers thing on one episode once, and I ended up deleting the whole episode having to start from scratch. And I was like, I'm never doing anything fun ever again. I know, I'm actually petrified <laughs> that we're recording this on your laptop because I'm like, chances are this isn't even recording. It's like 400 years old. Actually, at the airport, they were like, ma'am, do you have a MacBook? And I was like, yes. And they're like, is it from after 2016? And I was like, absolutely not. Because they're recalling MacBooks, apparently.
1: Yeah, because they're catching on fire. They didn't do that for me, but I think it's because mine's a short trip. It's a short trip, yeah. yeah. To
2: me, I was like, so what if it was new? You just like You just couldn't take it on the plane? Imagine you yeah, just well get up when do. you get back yeah did you guys look after it we went to the movies i saw the joker don't tell you yeah. sorry uh you texted me we haven't talked about it let's
1: talk about it um i saw the joker god we get so off topic sometimes i know we're just rehashing
2: like old episodes now
1: <laughs> no but just the way our thought train goes like we haven't stopped continuously speaking from <laughs> yes. harvey weinstein allegations <laughs> to macbook pros to the
2: Joker. I know. And it's just excited.
1: a continuous okay. train of thought. Just, yeah, it's fine. stick with us. Um, And we went to the movie theatre and they took, they literally searched bags and took all our snacks off us and gave us the little tag that we had to get. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, it was, I was like, what for
2: weapons? It You're was like, so no, embarrassing. Because they didn't want you, they wanted you to have the movie snacks.
1: Yeah. So they fully had like bodyguards bag searching that's out that's obscene and then they searched our bags and then found like because i kind of i had like a feeling something weird was going to happen because they seemed really intense about it on the website and Anton got like these big bags of chips and popcorns <laughs> like these huge things i was like trying to like get them in and so i just distanced myself from him and pretend i didn't know how many got everything taken <laughs> off him and then me and lily had in our bags these um little wines that you can buy from so the convenience store mm-hmm. And this is really bad. I was sort of like, my hate that it from plastic, but they're fully like plastic mm. glasses. Because why would you buy a bottle of wine and then have to buy cups and everything? Yeah. You just peel the lid off like this and then drink it. I love England.
2: Anyway, so we got those in. Yeah. Okay, um, well done with those. But yeah. When I used to work at the movies. I love people that you used to, to work at the movies. I know, for so long, people used to sneak in all sorts of nonsense. And I was once cleaning a cinema and someone had eaten a bucket of KFC and then just left a pile of bones on the floor. Oh,
1: uh, movie
2: this cinema. This was my worst nightmare. So I had to pick up, like, 25 separate bones.
1: Um, yeah, so I went to The Joker. Yep. And I really liked it. Yeah, it's good, right?
2: It's good. It's very... It's not, like, the best movie ever. It's just, like like, really good acting and, like, a good movie, I feel. I knew what I was going into...
1: And I don't like Marvel films and superhero films and like yeah I watch Batman because I find Heath Ledger hot Mm -hmm. and I can't really remember the whole movie yeah like that's my that's as far as it goes yeah and I haven't seen any of the others um but then I knew when I was getting myself in for with that so I knew I was gonna like it more Mm -hmm. whereas Anton and his friend who I just I don't know forgot to communicate with yeah boys yeah. went into the movies and he, maddie was like nothing happened like yes. nothing happened. and <laughs> i was like what explosion yeah whereas i had like the best time mm. um I, find, I thought it was really
2: good his acting was really good yeah i love did you feel a bit like confused by people were outraged about it or were you like no i get it i kind of got it I I, I kind of get it I feel like I went on a rampage about it but I, I kind of
1: get it <laughs> I, I did get it. when I was watching it I was like yeah. I can kind of see because but then at the same time what it's saying is that the system is fucked it's not yes. saying people with mental health are fucked and are going to go and try and kill all these people it's saying that the system is fucked with how it, sorry I'm swearing a lot this episode but we've never had a complaint about it I feel like children don't yeah, yeah. Children aren't around <laughs> <laughs> when the parents listen to this <laughs> Hey, feel like kids to. are locked in the bedroom we've yeah. got a glass of wine, we're ready to go um, but I feel like it's saying that the system doesn't help people who are struggling and that's the issue and that was why he turned like that because he was going to therapy and then they the government cut funding Yeah. and then, and he, then couldn't he, he couldn't
2: get his medication, medication yeah. and
1: then people at work, like the way people treat people with mental health and the way mm. the system is to people with mental health conditions is why he turned like that. It's not because... Of his...
2: like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I feel like
1: that was what it was saying more. Same. It was saying that the system failed him and the system fails people with mental health.
2: And I also read a really good article that said that it's actually a really conservative movie by, like, violent movie standards. Like, there's not actually that much bloodshed. And the people who die, lo- die are, like, three arseholes who, like, kind of deserve it. Like, they are beaten the shit out of him. Mm. Yeah. And then... The, uh, another... And I love
1: how he was, like why is everyone so sad about these three idiots dying? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not sad at all about that. <laughs> I feel like I'm that kind of person in some ways, but where it's I'm like, just, like, all of those horrible people. But the they're, like, trying
2: just... to beat him to death, and then he, like, shoots them. I'm kind of like, that's just... That could, like, Self-feeds. be argued in a court of law as being okay. Like, yeah, kind of fine. And then the other one is, like, a cop accidentally shoots someone on the train, apart from the crazy scissors incident. But it's pretty tame. Like, it's not like he goes and kills, mm. like innocent children or does anything like he kind of does things that are all understandable and on a side note i'm really obsessed with the
1: girl in it zazie Zazie beads she is a legend i was like where do i know her from and it's from atlanta when i watched that ages Um, ago she's on atlanta and then she also just did a campaign for georgia ellis yes i was like like, she's from georgia (laughs) ellis i I was like how do i know her face so well and it was because like a week before i saw the movie Mm. georgia ellis put up this campaign with her and then I got went on her page and went on this big stalk obsession She's
2: amazing. thing
1: and followed her. And then I was sitting in the movie, being like, "How the fuck do?" it
2: so was girl? like, "I guessed the twist," and I was like, "Any woman guessed the twist? Like, yeah. the quote unquote twist." I was like, "No woman with half a brain so would ever go and like socialize with this man." I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> I also watch succession finally okay i've still only seen
2: two episodes so oh please. yeah i have yeah. three
1: epsom but okay. yeah. i really like it
2: they're like each one feels like such a slog like this so it's like they're so long and intense
1: i know and like it's funny because i do really like it same but i'm the kind of person who as i've mentioned in the past watch tv and no one can speak mm. but with succession i've kind of been zoning out a little bit going on my phone a little bit anton's just yeah. kind of like what's happening but i think it obviously picks up more because right now it's just leading into like his dad so you said hey, it was based on the murdoch family and then yep. they I'm, like freaked out freaked yeah. out and so he's changed <laughs> it and made it fiction but still yep. based around them um it's when the dad is like sick so i feel like everything goes down when he finally
2: i don't think so because i saw a promo for season three and is he's he still around in it? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh i thought he was gonna be a goner by mid this season oh i know so it's like all the kids clawing and that's macaulay corgan's brother which is like i guess you can see when you look at him but kind of oh. random mm. crazy yeah no and I, the girl who plays she was an aussie yeah sarah snook
1: yeah i recognize her face yeah i like her I like her too. She's my favourite character.
2: Yeah. She's, she's just awesome. like go away everyone. I know, and she like, hates her husband. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: and then the on the other thing Oh, I started watching the good place last night and I find it pretty funny.
2: Yeah, people are like obsessed with the good place. Yeah.
1: My housemate was like, We have to watch this. This is the funniest thing ever. And it's pretty good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she was like, It's the funniest
1: thing ever and It was fine. (laughs) So far. I'm still really obsessed with Shit's Creek, and I think you should start that again. We should do it here. Yeah, we should. There's too much to watch. I get a bit overwhelmed. Same. Um, But I listened to the cut on Tuesdays. This is kind of a downer story. But it's called... um, Shit, what's it called? I don't know what it's called. But it's about a girl who completely lost... Something about your driver is here or something? It's about her taking a lift. Um and she woke up the next morning and like couldn't remember getting home. Okay. Oh, it's called your driver is here. And she couldn't remember getting home and she got she felt really, really, really exhausted, and then she got into the shower and couldn't stand and she had no idea what had gone on and then she needed to I think like that night at like seven PM she needed to go and feed a friend's cat randomly. So she walked outside and went to order a lift and that's when she saw that her fee for the night before was like $140 when she was going a 15 minute ride it should have been like $10 mm. in Brooklyn so just like round the corner home from a bar with where she was with all her friends and she saw that the fee was $140 and she's like what the hell clicked on the route and it said that she'd gone out of New York all the way to New Jersey and back Oh my God. um yeah and it's, it's like really so she's speaking And it's, it's, it's like a crazy story, but basically she goes to the police and then she goes to the hospital and they say, they were like, oh, you, you need to get like a rape kit. Does that and it comes back with two different types of semen. And she can't remember a thing. Oh she cannot God. remember a thing. Oh my God. So she's having to try and figure it all out without any knowledge of what's going on. Then the police are just mucking around not doing anything. She was like, have you even got the driver in? They get the driver in, and his semen doesn't match either of those two people's. So then they're back to, like, they, they just, I think they just let him go, and they have what? no idea what's happened. And then six months later, she nothing's happened still, and so she decides to sue them, the police, for doing nothing. Oh, my God. Wow. I know, she's she's a bit of a legend. So she decides to sue them for doing nothing, and then she gets these two new detectives on the case, and then they're, like... Fully active and oh trying God, to work very out very
2: unbelievable energy. Yeah. yeah,
1: and trying to work out what's happened, and so they're like, okay, we're going to do a reenactment because sometimes it will trigger your memory yeah, of so the that... route.
2: Yeah, you so... can't believe with something like Lyft where you always think that you're safe because the driver and the GPS are all fucking recorded. Like, how could they not do anything about that? It's,
1: it's also very weird that when you hear the full story, it's very weird that he just dropped her home afterwards. It's mm. so basically they reenact it and she stands outside the bar and they're like we know you want to bring someone with you because this is going to be really that could be really triggering and we know it's going to be really hard but you just can't you have to do this by yourself you have to kind of wear what you're wearing that night so she put on all the bangles that she had been wearing that night put on a different jumpsuit stood outside the bar the police came and picked her up and she said these police were like great they explained everything and then they're like but like as much as we can we're not going to talk to you or interact with you and then she said that as soon as they got on the route they turned left onto Bedford Ave, which is like literally where I was staying last time I was there. And as soon as they turned left, she was like, oh my God, I remember something. And she came, she remembers it at that moment when they turned left, which is where her house is, she fell asleep because she felt safe. And I feel like that's what every. What so you do, do that, yeah, yeah, like you kind of, you just, you kind of get in the car and mm. like the most you can muster is kind of figuring out if they're a psycho or not. Yeah, yeah. So you're sort of like, all right, you get in the car and yeah. then you're like sort of on alert, and then as soon as they start heading in the direction of your house, you relax. Mm-hmm. Then she relaxed, fell asleep, and then when they got to the Brooklyn Bridge, they hit like a speed bump, and then she was like, stop, pull over. And they pulled over, and she said that that moment had triggered, the bump had triggered her memory Mm. again, and that's when she'd woken up and realised that they were going across the bridge. Oh my
2: god.
1: And she was like, we're not going home. So then she kind of was like, okay, he saw I fell asleep, he was trying to take me on the long route home, he'll just let me out. Like, So she was like, come on man, I just want to go home, I'll just get out here, whatever, like keep the money. And then she tried to open the back door at the next lights to like sneak out, like to Mm. jump out of the car and run, and the doors wouldn't open. It's like, it's a fucking nightmare. Oh my
2: god, such a nightmare scenario. Yeah,
1: so then she, I feel like, I feel like in what I've told people. Oh my god,
2: you're gonna leave it as a cliffhanger. Well, it's I, a real true. No, man. it's because
1: when I was explaining to Lily, she was like, well, now there's no point in me fucking listening to this episode. Okay. you've explained the whole thing. Yeah. But okay. I feel like people should listen to the episode because it is such a lesson in all of these ways that she did everything right. Mm I don't even know what the lesson is. The lesson is like he was a fucking psychopath, mm-hmm. but, but he, she did everything right. She ordered on a lift. You see yeah. that that you see that they've got their details there. You see the car pulling up. It all looks mm-hmm. legit. And then you just take your m- mind off it for a second. But then, I don't know, just never God. fall asleep, I like guess. <laughs> never. never. <laughs> I know.
2: No, don't... that's crazy. Actually, that reminds me that I read a really, really, really good piece in the monthly about see Dixon, mm. um, another depressing one to go back to but it was the first time i'd read a really comprehensive thing about his sentencing i think his name is todd james james todd um i didn't know anything about him um and this journalist i can't remember her name but she wrote that book the trauma cleaner um it's this huge article about it she sat in court for every day and there was just so many like harrowing details in the story like he um saw her outside flinders street station with her boyfriend went to get like mackers and then came out and saw her again saying goodbye to the boyfriend and that's because he saw her the second time that's where he fixated on her and and he was staring at her and she walked past him and brushed past him and was like oh sorry as she was walking to go home
1: did he say that in court yeah a... people
2: are so weird. they were just getting him to like recreate yeah but how awful is that that she literally brushed past him and then he followed her home for like an hour and a half yeah the big thing about it was that because he pleaded guilty, it was a, the whole case was about in sentencing was about how much to um, enter in his autism diagnosis into the verdict, whether it was relevant or not and if so, relevant in which way. And basically the expert testimony concluded that um, he had a kind of sedo, like a sadosexual obsession, like he watched porn crazily like he came home from murdering her and googled like strangulation rape porn basically as soon as he got home um and they said that they think his autism like contributed to and his obsessiveness around that specific thing and like on a statistical thing people with autism or autism spectrum disorder are less violent than the average population but it was like a kind of one-track mindedness that like yeah, get, right. got himself so obsessed with that violence violent pornography um and they said that that in a way um potentially made him more dangerous because it's like quite hard to rehabilitate that mm. um he apparently burst into tears when her sister was reading her victim impact statement and he never showed any emotion through it and the one thing that made me feel like i don't want to say sorry for him but his they came and did like a house recce of his house um the court psychologist and he said in like 25 years of court cases he'd never seen like filth and like degradation in a house like in that house like he was like it was unlivable for children like he was like that was child abuse those children growing up in that house because it children? was like no no, no, he, no. Was he, had, a child. he was 18 yeah. Oh, okay, yeah um and he had younger siblings and his father wasn't in the picture, and his mum was quite mentally ill as well. I I think, and he literally lived in like, it like food mm. piled up on the floor, decaying food everywhere. The tiles and carpets were like rotted to the point where the like floorboards were sinking in. They cooked food in the toilet with an electric stove because the kitchen was like. That's unlivable. what I mean
1: with. That's what I mean when the system fails people. Yeah,
2: so that's I I think it's an interesting like context because. Mm. That's someone who had a mental illness that was never really, like, cared for properly. And they said this ironic thing is that he loves the, the order of prison. Like, he loves having his, his room is like, insanely neat everything is tidy he loves having to come out a certain point every day and leave every day like it's really good for his mind and it's weirdly like the best care he's ever gotten has been mm-hmm. in the prison system that's so sad it's the whole case is just horrible yeah so horrendous for her family like like it doesn't take away at all from what he did but like just every part of it is just like tragic sad yeah it's so sad
1: um on a lighter note yes <laughs>
2: <Please>. <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> I'm like, God, our reunion, eh? <laughs> this is literally it. For like the last five months, all we've talked about is like Kylie Jenner and Trevor Scott Bye, over man. Skype. And the minute we're in the same room together, we're like men, huh? <laughs> Murder. <laughs> um, on a line of note, uh, I listened to, and I know you've listened to the part of it on a readers. Sorry. A list. What are they called? Listener. Listeners. <laughs> on a list. <laughs> on a listener's recommendation. Thank you. Um,
2: Carolyn Colloway. I keep wanting to call her Carrie ann Conaway, which is like that rogue woman who works for Donald Trump. I always want to
1: call her Caroline, but I think it's just how different people say that name.
2: Caroline Colloway. Yeah.
1: Um, on a podcast called Not Another True Crime Podcast, which is odd because it's definitely not about true crime, but she came on as a guest. It's Betches. Yeah. It's a Betches media thing. Um, she comes on as a guest and they said that they DM'd her the night before. And I'm like, why did we not do this when we said we were going
2: to do this? I know, we should have just done it. I mean,
1: bitches have like
2: 4.2 million followers, but still. Um, They
1: Instagrammed her the night before and then she came on. And it was funny because she kind of came into the room and for a brief recap, she is the woman who was sort of Instagram famous and then she tried to organise a retreat or like a an event and then it was... A shambles and everyone called her a fraudster and that she was trying to scam people of their money
2: it was kind of seen as like a fire festival 2.0 yeah even yeah. though it wasn't but it was but, like an yeah. influencer yeah everyone was
1: just laughing because it was an influencer trying to organize something and it was going wrong and she ordered like a thousand mason jars and there's a thing to fit them into her house yeah, yeah yeah and because she documents everything on social media it was just like a nightmare and then her best her old best friend did this huge interview for the cut, like two months ago um, saying that she ghost wrote all of her Instagram captions and was ghost ghost writing
2: her book because she got a book deal and all of this. Just making her out to be like a really shitty person Mm. and like a bad friend and just who kind of like left her in the dust a little.
1: Yeah, and she, we did a whole episode on her. If I, we did, if I yeah. did, yeah. Um, and then, anyway, she did a quiz who was Caroline, who was Natalie, like it was the whole Grace was Caroline. was Caroline, yeah. <laughs>
2: Proud Caroline,
1: um, and then, yeah, so anyway, she comes on this podcast and it's she's done interviews since um the cut piece was published, but this is kind of her biggest. I don't know the biggest, the most candid I've seen her be, and it was funny. Like she's just, she's just one of those people that she is everything. And she was like, "Yeah, yeah Natalie got paid five thousand dollars for that cut piece." And I was like, "How
2: do you just know all these things?" There was definitely like things? a lot of jabs at Natalie that were like very badly foiled as being either compliments or like.
1: Well, that, that's what she's yeah. been doing the whole time. So yeah, she's just sort of been like you know natalie's the best writer i know she deserves all of this you know go and read it and it's like you don't need to go and tell people to read the cart they're already going to read
2: it and she's also like you know natalie is such an amazing storyteller like she did such a good job of of telling a story about herself where she wasn't a rich kid from new haven (laughs) who (laughs) met Bubba. you know what i mean like she just makes these like jabs that are so pointed but she's trying to be like no i'm so happy for her like she's like she did the right thing like she has a killer instinct she will just gut anyone for her own success she's always wanted to be a writer and i respect that and i'm like you <laughs> yeah. are a little sneaky girl i know but, yeah like i feel like that this is what we said at the time they say just seem both as bad as each other i think that's why everyone's attracted to this story
1: yeah it's like wagatha christie yeah <laughs> sort of Colleen rooney and ruby Bardi, but Yeah, Rebecca Vardy was worse. worse,
2: (laughs) I was like, don't bring Colleen down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like Colleen didn't do anything bad. She's a sweet angel.
2: Colleen is the Ashley (laughs) job. Yes. (laughs) We should DM Colleen for an interview. I know.
1: Um, God, it's such a big thing. Like when I flew here from. London, the woman sitting... So there was, like, a woman in the window seat, then her boyfriend in the middle, and then I was in the aisle. And she goes, have you heard of this Colleen Rooney-Rebecca Vardy drama? Because she was reading a magazine. And he goes, yeah, I had heard a bit about that. <laughs> and she just explained it to him, and I could hear the whole thing. And I was waiting for her to be, like... One of them co- referred to the other one as trying to speak to a pigeon or
2: something. <laughs> what was that? It was
1: the funniest, like... Metaphor ever. It just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so she did this interview and it's one of those things where i think that the issue with her and this is what a couple of our listeners said is like she's not an evil person no. she's just very very
2: unself-aware when she thinks she is self-aware yes she's one of which people- is a lot of people in the instagram age i feel like yeah it's like a very common thing where yeah. people spout things that seem like wisdom about themselves but then the way that they act is like completely contradictory to that
1: i think every, i think as well everyone is like that in general like i, I like yeah. there would be so many things you could pull up from this podcast and be like isabel said that she uses a keep cup and people who don't a shit and then isabel just said she took a fucking plastic a wine glass of the plastic movies wines. yeah <laughs> <to> the movies. <laughs> yeah you know like there's there's so many different ways but because she screams about hers on such a,
2: it's it's a there's a
1: higher level of that where you you like really believe but it. that's her job like yeah that's, that's her job kind of thing her whole her whole thing is who i am as a person
2: i'm she's a, she Instagram. was talking a lot about like i am so famous and before i got she keeps so saying famous, famous. And, I, I was like i don't know if you're famous doll like i know we're talking about you but like i'd be quite reticent to using the word famous if i were her like she's she's like famous in the sense of, like Anna Delvey's famous, like... Yeah. You, were, like, you weren't famous as an Instagram influencer. You were famous for all this drama that's followed yeah, around. Yeah, I know. she said famous so many times. And, and she said she was, like, in LA making, like, a TV show about her life. I know. Was
1: this, a, this is what I mean. She just... It's just very hard to, like, look away because it feels like a, tra- a train's crashing in slow motion.
2: It was also just very, like... I just... I really dislike the way I felt like she was framing it as she's a really genuine honest person and that she is just gonna say what she thinks and and like she was like i wasn't even angry at her for writing it. i didn't care blah 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 and then she makes like 15 barbed comments which makes it really obvious that she's fucked off about it yeah but instead of just saying that, she's like, No, I'm so happy for her. And then it's just like, She's rich, she wrote my Instagram captions only till 2013. She blah, 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 she blah, blah. Like, makes like all these little snide comments to make you think that Natalie sucks, but like, won't just come out and say, Me and you, if we ever had a fight. <laughs> I
1: know. I'm like, No, I'm really happy for Grace's success. So happy but just for her. so you know, she's always
2: been obsessed with it. So it's great <laughs> that it's finally she's happened. always been really obsessed with herself. So I'm glad <laughs> things are going well. That's literally what it felt like, though. So I was like, I don't know how many brownie points you get, Caroline. I know. But fascinating to listen to. Fascinating.
1: But then it is like, it's another thing with these two, now that Natalie's introduced herself to the narrative, where it's another, same as Colleen Rudy and Rebecca Vardy, we're just obsessed with watching these weird friendship breakdowns. Or those two aren't even like really close friends, but just women against women. And I feel Mm. like it's kind of because friendship toxic friendships and friendship breakdowns aren't something that we talk about lots and it's not something that's written about lots and it's not something that like novels are written about in the way that romantic love is because unless it's happening to you personally i feel like it's not as much of a you don't want to read about it with other people but then on this level you do when it's this drama
2: yes she said something about um which i thought was really smart where she was like when you're in a relationship like a romantic relationship you're signing up to this possibility that you you might just eventually reach this point where you just never ever ever talk to each other again mm. like it's kind of uh like written in part of the contract you sign up for when you're in a romantic relationship but with a friendship like it's so complicated because you aren't really signing up for the idea that one day you'll just never ever talk to each other again like you're signing up for the fact that we'll be friends forever like that's mm because you have lots of friends and it's not an exclusivity thing, so she was like, "It makes dealing with breakups of friendships really complicated because there isn't really like a guidebook of how to do it, and people yeah. don't talk about it because, with romantic relationships, there's just endless, 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 endless stuff, and conversations that people have in ways that you deal with it, but with ending a friendship, it's just you're kind of
1: yeah, and at it kind of times it's kind of more devastating. Like, yeah, mean, exactly. My high school. I was best friends with a girl in high school. We were inseparable. You would have been quite jealous. I was like, Who are <laughs> Yeah. And then when we got to uni, we kind of, we just fell apart. Like, it was just not working. We mm. were not getting along. Mm. She was making decisions that I didn't love. I was probably making decisions she didn't mm. love. I'm a new friend group. But it was like this dramatic end where, you know, we would be friends to each other's faces. And then one of my still best friends would be like, Izzy, she's just spun mm. so much shit about you tonight like to a whole mm. bunch of people and it was like really messy where mm. i would then be like hey what's going on i've mm. heard all this stuff's being said about me and like are we okay and then yeah she at, a girl drama just was, gives me high. i know is, i have it, like four friends I'm like, i just
2: want four good ones and no one else because girls are so
1: yeah difficult it's the worst and then yeah and even i said this to anton when i was explaining like drama between women and at work I was like, I hate even explaining this to you, because it just brings out the worst in women. you When you argue with each other like this, and when it gets all bitchy, and when it gets all... Yeah, it's just, just like, it is a different level where most men, I don't think, do it like we do. I
2: think, like, I don't know if this is true, but my theory is that women are taught, like, culturally from day one that we're, like, in competition for male mates yeah like i feel like we feel like there's like 10 men and 500 women yeah or and not so we even... have this like so it's not like your friendships are about competing for guys but subliminally you, you like look at other women as com- competition or reflections of like the flaws that you don't have yeah and um, that's why 100 percent, i think because men yeah men and even like in the that.
1: work environment yeah. you feel like you're competing when yeah. it's like there's jobs why? for everyone yeah. or when another woman does well you feel like that's something on you, like, A not doing well, you, which is yeah, so weird. exactly. And
2: then that's your shit, like, that's not their yeah. problem for achieving something, it's yours. For, it's so yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, then she, you
1: know, it just, like, ended. But then it was one of those things that was dragged up for years. Like, we, mm. we stopped being friends, and then years and years later, she... Was like, can we do coffee? And I had to literally just be like, hey, I just don't think we should. Like, it was like it was yeah. actually like a relationship. It was
2: like when we talk about those guys that like you get sucked back <laughs> into AM. their orbit. And you just become, at three like, a.m.
1: She's like, do you want to watch the Notebook and have Eminem's
2: and like <laughs> sit on the couch together? I'm like, I'm no, like give again. me the phone, Izzy. I'm like, if she's busy. That's my <laughs> yeah. thing now. Um. So this week, sort of this week, like last two weeks, Harry and Megan have been back in the spotlight again. And there was an ima- I love this story because the headline I first saw about it I think it was on Vogue was like Megan Markle is not okay full stop and I was like, "Whoa, I was like, What happened? <laughs> yeah, I can't, like accident. Is she physically yeah. okay." I was like, "What a headline." Um Megan was interviewed by a BBC journalist or something and he was like, "Are you okay?" And she went on a bit of a like i don't want to say she went on a rant because i feel like this is what we like say about women to like belittle what they're talking about that she spoke very candidly for the first time on the record about how hard all of the backlash to her has been and all of the media frenzy and how everyone kind of turned on her this year and was very candid about it was it part of a documentary or was it yeah it was part of so this because i haven't seen video footage of it so
1: oh haven't you no oh Oh. oh my God, Grace! The video made you want to cry.
2: Oh, it's really? really? sad Does She seemed really upset. Yeah,
1: she looks like she's about to cry.
2: oh
1: So, did you just read it in an article? Yeah, I just read it in an
2: article. I, I thought he was interviewing her for like a
1: newspaper. So, they did a documentary of their time in Africa, and he followed them on the ten-day tour. Mm. And during that, he spoke to them numerous times for the documentary. I haven't watched yeah. the full documentary, but then this little clip was played, and it's him asking Megan. Like, how are you doing with it all? And then she answers and she's sort of close to tears. But then when you watch the documentary, it goes into a lot more detail. Harry talking about the press and how he'll never trust the media because of what happened to his mum. And he was like, every time I see a camera flashing, it reminds me of my mum. And then um, she talks about how her friends friends from London, Britain, warned her against um, marrying into the British royal family because they were like, they will rip you apart. Like, the tabloids will rip you apart. And she was sort of like... Oh you know how bad could it be and she sort of thought that they would tell the truth and it wouldn't be all these crazy lies being spun and all these weird all this weird drama yeah and so basically
2: and who could have predicted Thomas Markle <laughs> oh my this? god like, i know like the, like the absolute ultimate fucking supporting act from hell who just yeah. came through
1: Thomas and Samantha yeah
2: oh my god um, I and then Samantha. at one
1: point Megan sort of said that they are like existing not living at the moment because mm-hmm. all their, like, they like they seem really really broken like it's mm-hmm. actually really sad because i guess it's one of those things where I, I feel like we have talked about this but i kind of thought that yes the media in britain is bad and the tabloids are crazy but just don't like you can block that out and not read it, but then I guess when it's about you, because I don't see that. I don't see that because I don't read the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah. But when exactly. that's constantly about you and your family, and people are asking you if these rumors are true, and um, actually, I was listening to the Hilo on the flight over here, and they were saying that um, Prince Charles got in the same frame of mind when he was younger, where he was obsessing over it all, and then he made the decision to never, ever, ever read any media Mm. apart from, like, the Times. And he reads that every day for his news. Right. But he won't read anything else because he doesn't want to see anything about himself, and that's how he's kind of saved himself. Mm -hmm. But Princess Diana was the opposite, and she got really obsessed with it, and she read everything, and it turned her kind of, like, crazy. People, yeah, people don't,
2: uh, like, a lot of people, I think, don't realise that Princess Diana courted the media, like, massively in a completely unprecedented way for the royals. Yeah, And it's, like, she changed the game of how the the tabloids relate to the royals they saw them as really 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 off limits before and she used like weaponized them against prince charles because he's like weird and people don't like him and then the downside of that was as soon as she didn't become a royal she was just complete fucking fair game as far as they saw it like they were like vultures on her mm. but she kind of in a naive and very vulnerable state set up this system now where there's this like insane 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 media coverage of the yeah royals.
1: so it was really it was very sad, and I think a lot of people. But the see, what I think is like the people who are looking at that and thinking, "Poor them, this is horrible." Is the people who are already on kind of on their side, and I feel like, in a way, the way that they went about it. So they went about it. They were speaking in one of the poorest countries in the world. Yeah. About how they're existing, not living, and how yeah. everything's they really bad for live them. In a palace, yeah. Yeah, and, and and you live in a palace. You're mm-hmm. in love. You're healthy. You're happy. You have a mm-hmm. healthy son. Um, lots of money and like it, i'm not saying that it's not really hard for them because it would be and she looks broken and all they're trying to do is make a difference and like donate to all these charities and do good for the world mm. that is literally like megan and harry are, i would i would say this in all honesty i feel like they are such sweet people both of them <laughs> like, he he's is like knowing what i, I know at harry so- <laughs> for more than one second like he's just such a sweet angel yeah they just want to like help the world so yes that would fucking suck but also all of these people in britain which is where like we can you know me and you can be like we love megan and harry but we live well i'm in london now but we lived in australia or around the world and it's Mm -hmm. all these people in britain who are working class who don't have much money who are seeing this british monarchy being Mm. like poor me and especially doing it as part of a documentary on the charity in africa yeah so i feel like it's A kind, kind of point taken yeah i feel like it's kind of like divided people more
2: because i, now... th- I think as well i think as well the reason that's divided people it's just difficult because i think the people what people like about harry especially and i guess megan by proxy is that he seems quite unscripted and off the cuff and not super rehearsed in the way that the rest of the royal mm. family does like he's not as uptight and like polished and people like that But I think that the downside of that is them talking like that comes across a bit weird when every single other thing that comes out of the British royal family is so thoughtful and thought out and like polished and intentionally delivered in a certain way. So like, whereas they were probably just honestly responding to a question, they probably weren't thinking about the context of how it was going to be packaged and how it was going to be delivered to people and how that was going to overshadow everything else that was in the documentary. Mm. They might've just been speaking casually and off the cuff, but when you're used to that insane rigorous framework with royal family it comes across as just a bit maybe a bit sloppy i don't know
1: yeah and i think as well for some people so there's people who love them there's people who who hate them it's crazy like some of the I guess comments it's
2: just like the royal family in general is a bit of a like but even just people with,
1: with megan it's it's just insane yep. like they were like what a great actress she is on the video of her close to tears. Like I was like, she's come on, she wasn't and that also, like, great she, was No, there... She
2: wasn't a good actress. She like was like what a fucking is... yeah. like she was most famous for being on the suits. Like <laughs> she was no bloody
1: like, Meryl Streep. Yeah.
2: She not one not one Oscar and that performance would have gotten her one. Like, <laughs> I think me and you were talking before about the fact that we don't know if we've really spelt this out on the podcast before and we're sorry if we haven't, but there is a level of scrutiny that is targeted at Meghan Markle that would – and, like, I know people know this, but that just would not be targeted at a white, blonde, like, English, yeah. upper-class, aristocratic, Cressida Bonas, like, vibe person. Like, she just get, yeah. she has this, like, there's a stay in your lane, you don't belong here mm, vibe mm. that just hangs around her, and when you look at people that way – you just look to criticize every single thing that they do and it's gross, and it is racist and it's sexist and it, like yep yeah, africa probably not the best place to say poor we're, us yeah. <laughs> we're not living we're existing like yeah rogue
1: but also their words but like to help. The country,
2: and also that would be fucking shit. Like she just fell in love with a hot prince and was like heaven, and now you. everyone's like we hate you. And I she's know. like, why? I know. And she's like, I'm just trying to help she's everyone. I like, literally just like I'm like trying to fucking help some charities and like do nice things for people. She hasn't done a single thing. Like the the most heinous accusation leveled at and Markle so far is that she sent her staff texts at six in the morning,
1: sending the messages about helping with charity like charitable causes. <laughs> she was
2: being like let's get on to this let's get on to that yeah it's like that's the worst thing anyone's unearthed in like a year of desperately trying to find anything i know
1: like leave her the fuck alone the crown season three is coming and i'm fucking ready i'm so excited i'm so excited my friends already watched it she got the bloody screeners (sighs) and she said it's really good but it's more season one vibes than season two as in there's not crazy drama like there was in season two. No,
2: I was reading an interview with Olivia, another one in Bizarre UK, and they were saying that season three is about like. Prince season three Fi- is quite chill. Prince Philip's midlife crisis. Yeah. And like, I was like, fuck it off. Like, who cares about that? Season two was just hectic. I was like, Margaret, Prince yeah. Philip cheating on Apparently the Apparently, there's quite a bit of Margaret in this season. Love. Um, and, uh, the little, the new Charles and Diana don't come in to, like, till episode five or something.
1: No, but the new Charles is there. I've seen Camilla in the bath, naked okay. in the bath, smoking a ciggy, looking at okay, Charles.
2: Okay, like, like, I know we're all like, oh, like, it's Diana or Camilla, you can like both. Well, that's the Camilla's thing, that's a fucking thing. legend, yeah. It's like. If you know anything about her, she's just, like, this, like, hot girl. That like, he wanted to go who, out you know, with. just, like, smoked too and rode horses and hunted and, like, yeah Yeah. and he was like just like marry me and he was like maybe later and then he went to australia and she's like got married to someone to get back at him
1: (laughs) yeah and and that's the other thing is i can't remember where i read or saw or heard this but someone the other day was like that's the other thing is with Brad and G- with Brad, Jin and Ange, it's like suddenly it's just like Team Jin, Team Ange, and Brad exactly. is just not even in the narrative anymore. Yeah, it's like and he about team, the both person. hectic. Yeah, yeah and he's <laughs> the worst
2: person in that whole I thing. Know. When those t-shirts came out, he must have been like, Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>, I know." <laughs> and then suddenly it's like Camilla or Diana. Exactly. I love that we've created this kind of Brad and Ange and Jennifer, Camilla, Charles, and Diana <laughs> comparison. <laughs> I also love that we go- have to go. We, we really do have to go. Actually, we've got 13 minutes to get ready for dinner and I'm still in my pyjamas, so... <laughs> Qantas PJs. To the Lou Gals. Um, but, God, this was fun. I okay, know, we should do another one tomorrow. I we know, should we, do we should do one every the day car, this everyone
1: gets excited every time we say special episode. Oh, yes, sorry, 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 we didn't mean um, Okay, we love you. We love you, guys. please rate, review, and subscribe. Please tell your friends all about us because the more listeners we get, the more episodes we can bring you if you really want to. I feel like
2: you're lying well nah we'll do more well we could if we yeah listeners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we could is the operative we could word. yeah could could yeah um bye bye